This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. I have one of the most dynamic guests joining me for the conversation today, and you will not be disappointed. Marawa is in the house. She is a, I mean, I can't just call her like a roller skater. She's a world record holding roller skater, hula hooper, author, mother, creative. I mean, one of those individuals who's just going to make you feel more confident and at ease in who you are and what you bring to the table. We go all over the place in this conversation. I'm not going to lie. We talk about a lot of different things because she's so talented and has such experience and expertise in a lot of different areas. So we're going to talk about periods, of course, puberty, We're going to talk about burning out. I feel like there's a lot of people burning out right now and how to bounce back from burnout. And then I really dig in with her to understand more about how she got to this space where she has mastered her passion and craft to the point of holding 12 Guinness World Records. That is absolutely wild. There's a link to her Instagram down below. You have got to see her (laughs) doing what she does. It's so incredible to watch. Before Marawa joins us, I want to do a little checkup from the neck up with everybody. We're a few weeks into January. I know everybody usually starts the month feeling so inspired and passionate and ready to take things on. However, we've also been through a kind of crazy couple of years. So I know some people, I I did a poll on Instagram and noticed that a lot of people were feeling kind of like me, a little less steam in the engine this year than normal, a little less oomph as we rolled into 2022. It's kind of like we've been hit with so many things again and again and again that it starts to become challenging to keep getting back up again and to find the energy and the motivation that we usually feel at this time of year. So if that's you and if that resonates at all, just know that you're not alone. The beautiful thing is that every moment and every single day, we have the opportunity to start again. We have the opportunity to show up differently. We have the opportunity to evolve. We have the opportunity to learn, to understand ourselves more deeply. So I know everybody's tired and I know you're feeling a little overwhelmed and I know it feels like I don't know if I can keep trying but I promise you can, and you can go slowly and gently. That's always the best way. So just tuning in right now, noticing where you're at today and asking yourself, what is it that you need to feel supported and more aligned with the way that you want to be showing up in 2022? Do you want to feel more calm? Do you want to feel more empowered? Do you want to feel more at peace with your body? Do you want to feel healthier? Do you want more energy? All of those things are already within you. They are within arm's reach. You can reach out and grab them. 
We've got to choose to do it moment to moment. So think of the word that you want to welcome in right now. Whatever bubbles up first, notice it. And then I want you to think, what is the thing, the action, the thought, the behavior that is going to support me in aligning more closely with that? So if you want to feel energy, what is it that you need to put in your body? How do you need to move your body? What thoughts need to be moving through your mind right now? If you want to feel more calm, can you get yourself into a space where you can do a five-minute meditation or some breath work or take a bath? I mean, it sounds crazy, but cold water showers really work to help me calm my nervous system. Remembering that you create whatever you want. We can't control what's happening around us all the time. I mean, actually, very rarely is what I'm learning, but we do have the ability to choose how we show up for it. So make that choice for yourself today. All right, let's dive in and chat with the wonderful Marawa. I am so thrilled to have you here today and to have the opportunity to learn from you and to learn from some of the incredible life experiences that you've had, the good, the bad, all of the things, and to hear how you become an eight-time Guinness World Record holder. I got updates for you on that too. Um, I can't wait for changed. Updates. Things have changed. <laughs> Things have changed, folks. Things have changed. Okay, well, we'll dive into that. I'm so in awe. I spent an abnormal amount of time on your Instagram page watching you in these high-heeled roller skates looking so effing fabulous with the most incredible fashion. I mean, the technique, all of it, the music, the pregnancy roller skating. Thank you. All of the things. You're a wonder. And I'm so thrilled to have the opportunity to chat with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and where you found this love for roller skating and then how this whole conversation, I mean, you're an author, you wrote The Girl Guide, 50 tips on loving your body and accepting your body through transition. How did you become who you are today? I mean, that's a big question. That's a weird. <laughs> that's a big question, right? But I can, I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can feel, I can fill in some of the, the history together. So the roller skates is not on me. That's on my mum because she, I was two, and I don't think you really are making big decisions at the age of two. But she was making them for me, which was great. So the skating, it doesn't feel like something I um, consciously was like. I want to try it. It was just always around. It was around from the beginning of when I can remember. The roller skating was from the beginning. So, it, but I also think like having a daughter who's four. When she doesn't want to do something, she doesn't do it. So part of you was really interested in this. Yeah, and I think looking back on it now, when I look at pictures of myself as a kid and stuff like that, it kind of makes sense that I ended up where I did, but I don't think I was as aware of it growing up. Point in case being that like the hula hooping, which is really what was my career for sort of 15 years, I didn't start hula hooping until I was 21. So that was much more of a conscious like, yeah, I want to learn how to do this not having it and the childhood thing. But yeah, I definitely liked jumping around and climbing up trees and doing outdoorsy kind of things. It's, and still is to me what, you know, I find physical skills really interesting. World records, I've always been fascinated with people that dedicate their lives to one very specific skill set and become the best at it. Mm, me too. I'm obsessed. I used to get the Guinness Book of World Records for Christmas every year and I would pour over it. And I remember this 
shiny silver cover. So I think it's so cool that you're actually in that. And I want to talk about how and what you've had to do in order to get your butt in those pages. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L dot com slash Robbie Talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Over. So you were roller skating from a very young age and somewhere in between that and hula hooping at 21, you went through puberty and you talk a lot about your experience going through puberty, the changes in your body. Can you tell me a little bit about that? It was awful. I hated it. I still hate it. I still hate getting my period. It's like, I just don't know if you ever, you know, some people are like, Oh, I love it. You know, I'm just not one of those people. It's each to their own. It was rough. It's like, you know, especially someone, you know, being a kid that did a lot of sport and being able to run really fast and jump and do things like that. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I can't jump, need a bra. What? And then you get a bra and you're like, wait, no, it's not even enough. I need like two bras. I need a bra with like 500 straps on it. So it was a lot, it was weird. And then not being able to run and as fast as I felt like I should be able to. And it, for me, it was, it really got in the way for a while there. And I was like, oh, but then, you know, after, I don't know how many years, a lot of years, I felt like I got a grip on it. And then I was like, damn it. I wish I'd known all this stuff at the start. I wish someone had said to me, oh, well, this is what's going to happen. And that's what's going to, and that's where the book came from. It started off, I think we had about 70 lessons and then we narrowed it down and realized that some sort of and then in the end it was like 50 and I was like okay this is it if I could tell this to myself 
back then. This is what I wish I knew. And I feel like it, it definitely connected with the audience of pre-PBS and inter-PBS and kids. I, I wrote the book and when we were pitching it, I was saying 12 to 14. And then when the publishers came back, they were like actually 8 to 12. And I was like, 8 to 12? Wow. I was like, geez, you know. I guess I was late, you know, um, in some ways, but yeah, it was young and, but it's wild getting messages. Now the books in so many languages, a lot of them on email, but, and then a lot of them on Instagram where these kids are definitely, you know, I remember when we were doing the campaigning for the, for the book and I was talking about how, how we were going to promote the book and they were like, well, we can't do anything on social media because none of this age group is on social media. And I was like, they're definitely um, pretty sure they are. <laughs> they're pretty sure they're all on there. And so every time I get one of these messages, I'm like, I can't write back to you because you're not meant to be on here. Like, you know, <laughs> closing my eyes to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really sweet seeing that I feel like when I get those messages and I'm like, oh, I can hear in the way that they write that they're like, oh, these are all the, you know, I've been trying to work this out. It's so incredible. That is one of the most tricky times for so many individuals. I was also late heading into puberty. And I remember people calling me pancake because I had no boobs. And literally over the course of one summer, I went from super flat chested, like no bum to having full CD boobs and a butt, which I have since lost again since motherhood. Yeah. And when it's quick, it's like, it's almost worse when it's that quick because you don't have time to adjust to it or anything. Oh, complete identity crisis into an eating disorder. And, you know, it was just so uncomfortable in my body. And my mom, bless her, I don't think her mom talked to her about all of this stuff. It was kind of like, I remember feeling really embarrassed when I got my period and nobody talked about it. I still remember this girl at school getting her period in like a class and like all over the back of her skirt. And then I remember she maneuvered her way out of the room. And I remember being like, oh my God, she's got blood on her skirt. And I remember right. her being like, I cut my leg and being like, how did she cut her leg on that chair? <laughs> and then like, I remember like a year later being like, that's not what happened. Like there was this amazing inability. It wasn't happening to anyone else but you. But like it was happening to everyone. And it, that's, yeah. you know, and I love when I like do talks at schools about it, you know, I say in the format, like I do a and a set, like I'll, I said, I'll talk for a bit, but then it really is a Q&A section, uh, mm. session. And, and the teachers always say, oh, they're not really going to talk. They're quite shy. They're at that age. And I'm like, mm, okay. And then, and I go and I just, I read like a section out of the book that's like so gross and embarrassing. Mm. And honestly, like once I've said that story, like everyone opens up all the hands, you know, and then it just, and then it just snowballs and it just yeah. becomes this like, you know, you can see these questions have been like, they've been thinking about them, driving themselves crazy, searching on the internet where they're not getting any good answers. And they've just been desperate to know this one, you know, often it's like, but how much blood? Like how right. much blood is there going to be? <laughs> right. And then like, but how far does the tampon go? Like, does my whole hand have to go? Like, you know, and these questions right. that you would think you would be able to work this out. It's such basic stuff that we don't talk about in our society. And then we, as girls, women feel shame around it and like it's gross or wrong or that we have to hide it. And there's no one to really talk about, even our own mothers who are just conditioned. It's not like my mom ever wanted to make me feel uncomfortable, but they're just 
conditioned not to talk about these things as well. I'm curious to know, you're a mom now, like what is your take on all of this with your kids? I know with mine, so James is six and Brooklyn's four, and any moms listening to this know that when your kids are little, you don't have any privacy in the bathroom. Like everyone's in there with you all of the time. And so when I have my period, sorry if this is getting too explicit, but this is Raw Beauty Talks, I don't hide what's happening. I'm like changing a tampon in front of them. I had to have a conversation with Scott about this because he's like, they're too young to see this. And I'm like, I don't actually believe that. Like my intuition is telling me I want both of them, boy and girl, to be so comfortable around this. This is like what creates human life. And we talk about pee and poo 24-7 in this house. Why can't we talk about a period as well? So, you know, that's sort of my take. And now he's totally on board and, and gets it. But he grew up in a house with four boys where that definitely wasn't seen or heard or talked about. And so we all are kind of having to shed this conditioning that we've been under. And for me, it feels really important because I want Brooklyn to come talk to me when it happens. So curious to know your thoughts. And my mom was a midwife. She had four kids. It was all there, but I still didn't want a part of it. I was like, oh, interesting. I was like, nope. I was still like, just, you know, terrified about it. Um, and then when it finally happened, like, just feel like I was like, this is it. I'm dying. There's no, there's no, there's nothing left. How old were you when you got your period? 12. I was 14, I think. Like really late. Yeah, really late. Yeah. And it seems that the age is getting younger. Lower and lower. Yeah. Absolutely. So when you were writing your book and you came up with these 50 messages, you wrote the book in partnership with a doctor. I wrote the book, but I was like, we can't just put this out in the world. We need someone to check it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I do with all my programs too. I was like, listen, I'm pretty sure this is what's... Uh, but I, we need to get a professional. So we, yeah, yeah. So that's when we found Dr. Rada and she was super excited about the book and she went through it and just gave us the tick of approval that this was all, seal. that we weren't um, making up anything. <laughs> yes. Okay. I love it. What are some of the tips or words of advice that you shared in that book that you feel either the women who are listening today, you know, it would be helpful to pass this on to the next generation or alternatively, that still resonate. I mean, I think a lot of the things we share with kids are still resonant to adults, right? Yeah. And it was really funny when we had the parties for the, when the books launched, it was really funny having friends that were coming through. Most of my friends were sort of mid thirties and they were just like, I had no idea that when like (laughs) they had been reading the book and were just like, I never knew this, you know, like there are things that I'm still finding out now, which I get so furious about we should know these things how am I I was I was 37 when I went to see this is just this is about a year before I got pregnant I think I'd had this ovary pain I knew it was an ovary pain I knew exactly where it was yes and it was very very unbelievably excruciatingly painful but very inconsistent I would Mm. get it it would go away and then I'd be like, okay, forget about it. And then it would come back. And when it would come back, I'd be like, oh no, I'm calling the doctor right now. And then right. if she can't get into the doctors, it takes a week to get in. And then they yes. do an ultrasound. Oh, there's nothing there. Were you getting your period? No, I wasn't getting my period. Oh, were you ovulating? I don't know. When do you ovulate? Like, I, you know, I've got the period tracker. I'm looking at the tracker. And I'd look at it when I'd get the pain. And sometimes it would be like when I was ovulating, but then sometimes I wasn't. And then I was just like, I don't know. It's so inconsistent. And also it wasn't like if, I wasn't even getting it once a month. I was like, I don't know. It's just this weird random pain that comes. Yes. And then it goes away again. 
And then I'd get the ultrasound and they'd be like, there's nothing there. And then one time I got an ultrasound and she was like, there's a huge cyst. And I was like, oh my God, finally. <laughs> so then I go back to the doctor and the doctor's like, there's no cyst there. And I'm like, but the doctor, she said there was, she's like, no, there's no cyst. So then I finally, April Ramirez, pelvic floor genius therapist in LA, somehow ended up at her place. And within five seconds of my first appointment at the age of 37, she said to me, tell me about the pain. And I said, you know, it's not when I get my period. Sometimes it's when I'm ovulating, but not always when I, and she says, yes, but you know, one month you ovulate on one side, you get an egg from one side. And then the next month, it's the next side. So you'd only be getting the pain every eight weeks, which is probably why it feels not like it's happening very often. And then it's inconsistent. And I was like, I'm 37 years old. How do I not know that that I didn't know that. You see, this is the next book. And that's what it was. It was when I, and what it was is that every time I ovulated on my right side, every eight weeks, I would get these cysts and these cysts would come like little olives and then they burst. And that's why it was so horrible for a very short sort of 48 hour period. And then by the time I'd get the ultrasound, they couldn't see anything. Wow. I'm kind of going through not that, but navigating my hormone health and have super low levels of progesterone and cortisol since having kids and trying to rebalance all of that. And I mean, our bodies are just so complicated. And I talked to a gynecologist after going through this extreme anxiety blip. She was like, to be honest, woman's health is a bit of a black hole in regards to the information available to everybody and even what we know. And she studies this. She's a gynecologist. Like it is an area where there's just still, we're still learning so much. You really have to be an advocate for your own health and wellness. And you've got to trust if you feel something is wrong, that something is off and keep looking for the person to help you and who is going to have the skill set that you need. I mean, for me, this is like, I've been working on this for a couple of years now. And it takes that long because you only get the nature of the cycle. You know, every time you're trying to test something out regarding your period, it's six months because they're like, oh, maybe try being dairy free. You're going to need to try at least six cycles. So it's like, and then you don't even know if it's going to work, you know, try this thing for six months. And you, then you're 85 years old and you're like, I think I worked it out, you know, Then you're like, oh shit, it's just menopause. That's what this is. Oh my goodness. Okay. So what were some of the things that really resonated with you most in this guidebook that you put through? Yeah. So to that point, the things that I think work for the younger reader, but also the older reader that I think I still take away from it is that everything's temporary. Like Mm. it just changes, whether it's acne, whether it's something to do with your cycle, And then having a baby as well, like just when you think you've worked it out, like it all changes again. And you just be really happy and thankful and grateful when it's good and enjoy that. And then when it all goes upside down and turns inside out, know that it's not permanent. And also the solutions aren't always the same solutions. And it's that thing to your point, which is exhausting, but keep trying different things, talk to different people, try different things out. And you just have to, and it, you know, and it evolves, it keeps changing, but yet it doesn't stop. Once you get a grip on your period, it only changes again and again and again. And then the other thing I would say is if you're not using a period tracking app, start tracking because <laughs> mm. it is like a great use of technology. What app do you use? I'm using Glow. We'll link some period trackers down below. 
Okay, so everything is temporary. I love this and I completely agree. It's it's true. When you're in those moments where you're dipping down or it feels like a struggle or you're going through puberty or you're going through a rough patch in pregnancy, whatever it is, do you just tell yourself everything is temporary and breathe through it? Or do you have any other like rituals or things that support you in getting through those moments? 100% shut down. And it generally won't happen when something you, you find it's, it's kind of like a panic attack. You don't have one when things are actually stressful. It comes afterwards. I'm really lucky because of how I work. I've always managed to not have to have those days when I've actually got a lot of work to do in yes. terms of like, today's the photo shoot. And I'm like, I'm not really feeling up to it. Like you get through that. It's the next day when you have mm-hmm. the crash. And when that crash comes, you better listen. Like you don't, there's nothing like trying to fight your body when it's telling you something. So I just, I full shut down computers off, phones off. I'm quite partial to Bottega Louis, which is a cake shop in Los Angeles. I will drive myself there, listen to the nice K jazz music on the way, go to the Korean spa, wash my hair three times, have a bath, watch Murder, She Wrote and not fight it. Eat really good things. Yeah. Don't even try. And just know that the reality is, and I think most of us can feel this way about ourselves, unless, and if you know you're not that person, that's even better. But like, I know I get a lot of work done. I work really hard. Mm -hmm. Some days I know I do three days worth of work in one day. So I'm going to have this day. I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm not going to get stressed about it. This is the recharge. Also Mm -hmm. known as the mental health day, you know, the day where you just completely just write it off. It's 24 hours. And I get quite excited about it because I won't do it unless I know I really need it. But when I, once I've decided, like if it gets, like sometimes I wake up at six, the day's like going bad. By the time I walk to the kitchen, I'm already like, I think today's the day. I'm take, And then I'm like, ooh, <laughs> am I going to eat? How many coffees? I'm going to paste the coffees. I'm going to have this many coffees. Yes. Is there something, what else do I want to go and do? do? You know what I mean? Oh, what a gift. Thank you as well for giving all of us permission to do that as well. I think so many people don't. You'll catch it up. You'll get the work done. You will. You'll get it done. You'll get it done fast. Yeah. What if you feel though, like it's not going to be a day? Sometimes it's a week. Depends what it is. Like if it's a proper crisis, you might need two weeks. Yeah. You might need more, but you know, you can't necessarily take two weeks off work. You might need to like pace it out, but you need to find the time. Yeah, I completely agree. A lot of people right now are struggling with a lot of anxiety and uh, feeling low. We've been through a really crazy couple of years and I'm hearing from a lot of people sort of symptoms of burnout. And sometimes that's not something that can be remedied in one day off and we've got a pace. Which is why if you had time, and obviously the last two years, you can't even yeah. Who who knows how we get through that? But this is the argument for taking those days earlier on. But if you get there, then you make it a week. And because also the other thing I love is like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Mm. Like, if the worst thing is you're going to lose your job and you need your job, then you have to find a new way. That's <laughs> that's not the way. <laughs> but if the worst thing that happens is you don't post for a few days and your email that you always would have written back to within two hours doesn't get written back to for a couple of days. Also, you can put that great little auto response thing on your email that says, I'm not here right now. I'll be back. But if it's a true emergency, you can text me or whatever. But like, you know, what's the worst? And if you can take a few more days and 
don't scroll for a couple of days. That's not taking a break. That's not a break. <laughs> That's something else. Talk to me a little bit about this love for seeing people set records or be the best that they can be in their little niche and transitioning from adolescence into your 20s. Like, when was the moment when you were like, I'm going to set myself some records here? I think, you know, like you said, we, we had the books as kids. We, you know, it was always there in the back of your head. But then, you know, life, school, you move on. You, And then I remember people would say to me, you know, how did you set out to become a professional hula hooper? And I was like, is that what I'm doing? Like, when did that happen? Is that, I don't, I don't remember that happening. And I was like, oh, I guess that's what it is now. Like, you know, at the time I just hadn't really, I'd just been like, well, it was just work. And I'd found ways to work where I didn't really feel like I was working mm. and getting paid and traveling and doing stuff. And then once I was like, oh, that's what I do now. That's what I've become. I was like, okay. And then I need to go back and get that record book out and see if I can get myself in here because can't be the hula hooper without the records so then I got the book and it is hard you know as it should be but it was hard it took a long time and a lot of training not just the training for the trick and I think there's you know like artists and performers you know there are probably people out there that have tricks or that can break but it's not just breaking the record it's the paperwork <laughs> it's, it's the application and getting the footage and getting the expert and getting everyone to sign witness statements it's a whole thing process it's Whoa. a process yeah 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 okay. and, and and for context if you get the official Guinness person to come with their clipboard and judge it on the spot that's ten thousand dollars like that's great if you've got the money but most people aren't doing that most people are applying sending in the footage when I did my first record it was before now I would say it's a bit easier now because they have a very brilliant website that you can apply through and it's all you upload things and it's all done online but it used to be you know you'd send a package with all the dvds and you know pictures and it was complicated but i got there <laughs> but you did it so your records are around hula hooping and roller skating at the same time i have 12 different records now they are some of them are just for hula hooping things like fastest mile run whilst hula hooping eight minutes most hula hoops while suspended in the air can't actually remember I think it was 50 or 60 oh my um, god most hula hoops at once which is just like that's the one I really wanted that was the what that was how the many one. 200 where yeah. do you even fit 200 hula hoops on your body great question because it's quite hard to understand and visualize is there a video <sighs> yeah yeah there's a video oh my god this is so cool and then I have some for high-heeled roller skating and then regular roller skating, hooping on the foot, skating and hooping furthest distance, things like that. The big news, put all the records aside, well, not really, but because of my continued pursuit, if you will, of records, this year I have been inducted into the Guinness World Record Hall of Fame, which for me Woo! is... <laughs> Hall of Fame, a Guinness World Record Holder Hall of Famer on the Raw Beauty Talks podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to dig into this right now because I feel like this is more than just a physical pursuit and the skill. Like there's a lot of mental game that is required to get into this. I want to hear a little bit about the preparation for this because I think a lot of people in life dream of 
you know, accomplishing something that is noted. And I don't think that, that we need to do that as human beings to find our worth, to find our value in, in life. But it feels good to sort of master something and to be recognized for something that we've been working on. It really depends on how you work. Right. Some people are really good and love and need for their anxiety, mental health, consistency to do nine to five, mm. paycheck at the end of the week, routine, sorted. Other people, like myself included, that makes you feel terrified, claustrophobic and anxious and, and frozen and unable to work. But what I can do and what I excel at and what my best use of myself is, which is can be the same thing, it just needs to be repackaged and sold to me differently. I need projects. Mm. I need very short one-month to three-month projects. Anything more, I start getting weird about it and I can't. <laughs> And that's why the world records were so good because they were like projects. So I'd be like, okay, I'm doing this and I have to do this much training and it's going to look like this. And I break it down week by week. And then at the end of it, it's this. And mm. the same for shows, same for book things that I work on or things that I work on for my shop, they're project-based and I can have three projects is the other thing that I'm sure, you know, most creative people come across this at some point, but you get three projects at a time. That's it. You try, you want to do more. It's not going to happen. So you mm. can, you can have a big list of them, but you can only do three at a time and you chip away. And that's how I work best. I do a little bit of this one then I do a bit of this one. Then I do a bit of this one. If you tell me I just have to work on one project for a couple of weeks, I can't do it. Oh my God. I'm learning so much about myself and having this conversation with you. I can never have just one thing. I always have to have more than one thing. Hopefully someone listening to this will know what I'm talking about and they can put the link in because I have looked for it and I can't find it. But it was a TED Talk, someone talking about education and it was for primary education into up into year 12. And it broke down in the most incredible way how people think, thought process, work process, creative process, and then current education. And it was like, you go to school and the way that school is taught really only works for like 5%, not even mm -hmm. like 50%, like 5% of people are like, that's how they work. Mm -hmm. And then for other people, myself included, I'm just like, oh yeah, but I can't go to maths now because I just got so into this thing in geography and I really understood it. And I just need to focus on that for a little bit longer. Yes. Oh, but now we're doing English. Oh, but I don't want to write about that because I, have, I, I can't write. I could write so much about this, but I can't. And the school's like, oh, you've got a problem. And it's like, no, no, I don't have a problem. You've got a problem because you're only teaching one way. And so this mm. TED Talk, I wish I could find it, just summed it up brilliantly. But I think find it. what's great about it is it really, it's too late for school. But I, I think it's very helpful to people who might be feeling like they have the problem and that they are scattered and that they're lost and that, that they can't get work done. It's mm. not that. You just need to work in a different way. And that's what is Hopefully, for a lot of people who have gone freelance or are taking a freelance approach to how they work, it frees you up to be able to do that. You still have to work. You, you don't get a free pass. <laughs> but it just means that you can work on your own schedule and the way that, and feed into your strengths of how you work and what you want to achieve. And once you kind of let yourself understand that and don't beat yourself up about not being able to sit down and just do something in a particular way you suddenly go oh wow and I see other people and I see other people that are creative that are really doing amazing work and I'm like oh yeah because they have their own system of how they do it they're not restricted 
Yeah. When you were writing your book, did you find it challenging at all in the part where you had to take all of your ideas and put it into some sort of linear fashion that flowed sentence to sentence? No, because I, I love the book. I can't, and I know it's the wrong thing to say, but the book felt very easy to write because I had been thinking about it my whole life yes. since I'd hit puberty right up until yes. when I wrote it. And once we finally got the green light to write it, it was just like a brain dump. And then I had the ideas for each of the 50 things, which we had, like I said, it was 70. We narrowed it down to the 50. And then I just wrote each part for it. And then a lot of the visuals for the book was like, oh, this is an image that looks like this will go with this and this. Yes. And it was all kind of there. And there was a lot of paper all over the place, <laughs> but I loved it. It was it was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> we're, actually, we're actually nearly finished, not quite, on a second one that's coming out next year. Yeah, it's been a similar kind of thing of just like brain dumping stuff. I'm curious to know in your pursuits and in all the things that you've done, whether you ever struggle with limiting beliefs or if you've ever had moments, you know, as you're going for these records where you're like, I, I don't think I actually can do this. And how do you push back? How do you push through that? So most performers live for like live performance. The audience feeds me, but I can't stand it. it makes me so terrified. So live records have been the most distressing thing I've ever had to do because it's like live television and if you screw it up, you screw it up and, you know, and I have. So that stuff does definitely stress me out. Records where you submit the footage for me are not as stressful because you can just do it again if you yes. don't get it right. And every time I've done it, like first shot and it's like, ding, it's fine, but it's less stressful. But, yeah, I definitely had that thing of like it's not going to work or I can't do it or whatever but at the same time what's the worst that's going to happen if you didn't get it this time got to train a bit harder get you know it's not like I woke up and was like I'm going to go for the world record for the highest free dive you know <laughs> and then got to the top of the diving board and went I don't think I could. like I'm not trying to <laughs> it's not life or death even if your nervous system and thoughts and mind are all telling you this is scary don't do it do not progress forward yeah oh the other you know the other thing that probably th this is linked to which I do talk about sometimes which I think I'm not saying is how everyone should approach things in life but I definitely had something that happened close to 20 years ago but 20 years ago was when I was at circus school in Australia when I was learning to hula hoop and I specialized in swinging trapeze and I am not a natural on a swinging trapeze mm -hmm. on a trapeze let alone a swinging one it was terrifying like you know the bit in the panic attack where your heart rate goes through the roof and you yeah. feel the vision closing in and you're like yep. oh I'm, this is it I'm actually dying now like uh -huh. I'm actually gonna die I also went through a good sort of six month period of panic attacks while I was at circus school in my second year, those two things combined where you don't die, <laughs> you think you're going to die, opened up more to do with the trapeze, but it was just like, right. so what? What's the most embarrassing thing that can happen? So that's often where I come back to. I'm like, the things that would actually terrify me or stress me out, I think would be like, if I got in a fight with my mum or if I fell out with my husband or if I had like that's scary that's, that's scary. the stuff you don't want to happen yeah but the internet or like some record that may or may not happen it's very low stakes yeah so continuing to push through fears consistently throughout your life at different scales whether it was trapeze or swinging trape trapeze or doing those first 
10 hula hoops at the same time and then roller skating and doing the, the hula hoops and like continuously pushing that sphere of fear that so often contains us further and further and further apart. You start to have a bigger playground to play within and more clarity around what really is scary in life. Yeah. It's so fascinating. There's just much scarier things happening to people. Like there's things that are actually terrifying where I'm just like, it is not that bad. It's hard. Like physically something might be difficult or like pushing through is hard, but it's not scary. It's not Mm -hmm. the end of the world. It's not like there's that kind of useless, but every now and then I come back to a thing of like, if it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes on it. And then I'm always like, but what if it's training? I need to train for those five minutes to keep, you know, I'm like, that doesn't work as a thing, but it is, there is a version of it where it makes sense, where it's like, if I've been sitting there really stressing about, oh, should I use that image for this part of the thing? Is that going to make, it's like, no, 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 no. I can't spend time on this. This needs needs to go away. Absolutely. I love that. If it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes on it. I love that. If I was to send you to a deserted island and you could take a bag with three self-care tools in it, what tools would you bring with you? I would want my Chanel eyebrow pencil because if I have an eyebrow, I can do anything. Yes. Unstoppable with an eyebrow. Three eyebrow pencils. That's all I want. (laughs) (laughs) She's set. That is her secret tool. Everyone go out and get those Chanel eyebrow tools. No, you have to take, you'd have to take a sunscreen surely. And then I don't know, maybe I'm being really basic about these. It's a lip sleeping mask. Oh my God. I just look at, I literally have that on my desk right now. The Laneige lip sleeping mask, except for I wear it all day. It's so good. Everybody uses it all day. No one uses it to sleep in. It is an all day <laughs> situation. No one remembers to put it on at night. You just wear it all day. Okay. So sunscreen, the eyebrow pencil, and your Laneige lip sleeping mask that we wear all day. Incredible. If you could send one final email that was going to land in the inbox of every woman in the world, what message would you want every woman in the world to hear? It's just not that serious. I think that would be it. (laughs) Oh, that couldn't be more perfect. It's just not that serious. Wear the high-heeled rhinestone glittery freaking roller skates and put on your eyebrows and just don't take everything so seriously. I love it so much. Where can everybody find you if they want to? Well, I know that they're going to want to when they want to follow along. I mean, I would say Instagram, but the truth be told, I'm very lazy on there these days. But when I show up, trust me, oh, it's worth it. It's good. It's so worth it. You definitely want to be following her on Instagram. We'll make sure that we link to that down below. It's the best content ever. Thank you. And your book. We'll make sure that we link to that as well, of course. Yes, yes. All right, everyone. Share this episode with a friend if you loved it. Feel free to leave a review. I always read all of them. And until next time, take what resonated and leave the rest behind. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week.
Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.